This is exactly right. On the 12th season of Tenfold More Wicked, we investigate a series of compelling mysteries from the city of Fall River, Massachusetts, where problems started generations before Lizzie Borden's murders made her a household name. Join me as we cover the misfortunes that have befallen this infamous town for more than 150 years, including the Great Fire of 1843. Season 12 premieres Monday, May 13th on Exactly Right. Follow Tenfold More Wicked on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. A one, two, three. Whoa. That, that, that was perfect to me. That was <laughs> the most perfect one to me. <laughs> Hello. Hello. And welcome to my favorite murder. The podcast, the true crime podcast you've, you've been listening to for a couple of years. That's right. God, almost five at this point. Ooh. Wow. Five years. It's like the most, this is the longest I've ever had a job for sure. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be my second longest relationship pretty soon. Nice. Yeah. I think we've put a lot of work into it. <laughs> I think we've made it something special. We really have. It, this we is, didn't abandon it. No. And we want, we wanted to at times. We didn't yes, want we to did. at times. <laughs> Ooh, it got like year two and a half got messy. It was very difficult Uh to do. Hey, listen, all that sounds stupid now in the pandemic. (laughs) Right. Doesn't that sound like the dumbest fucking shit in the world? Absolutely. Like, nothing matters. Be nostalgic for old problems you used to have that used to take up your whole life. And now you would kill for those to be your whole life problems. Oh, man. Yeah. Jesus. And then the little things, too, that you miss about your normal life. I miss eyeliner. I miss liquid eyeliner and yeah. putting it on and lipstick. For a reason. Yeah. Yeah. And and like any of that stuff. Yes. Any kind of <laughs> plan to meet another human being and look them in the face. <laughs> Excitement. Uh-huh. Wonder. Truly just a deep, profound respect for your fellow man That's... across the restaurant table from you. Well, we're all, when this is over, Knockwood, <gasps> it's, we're oh. all going to be different and better, mm-hmm. right? Better people. We're going to appreciate life more. We're going to live yes. in the moment instead of having future panic and past panic. There's just no point. We're all on a clock. We got it. We got to maximize these moments while we can hopefully we're all listening during this time taking time to work on ourselves listening to a shit ton of self-help podcasts oh i am georgia (laughs) i you should see the ab work i do i'm not doing that it is crazy (laughs) how's that trampoline going behind you it looks like it's 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 on its back like a beetle it does look like a dead bug I tried to roll it out the scope of my Zoom, and I hate to brag to everybody, but my Zoom picks up the entire room. I don't know why it, it the width of it is just it's just yeah impressive. It's not, tight. it's not a tight shot, so I can't hide my the trampoline I used four times and really thought I was onto something. Sure, and then I, what it usually happens 
<clears throat> we could track this. Usually it's that someone comes over and I want to hide all my shit and make it look like I'm much cleaner mm-hmm. and tidier than I actually am. And then things get put away and they never come back out. Oh, okay. So it's not there in front of you. You're just not going to use it. Yes. I like that too. I get that. Yeah. We'll work on it. We'll do it. We'll work on it. Look, it's almost Halloween, which everyone knows is a great time to refocus your energies onto perfect time to reset Uh all the candy in your system to brand new candies. (laughs) I've already overdone it on candy in a way that was what kind did you what'd you buy? We got we got a bunch of the bags that have like two good candies and like two bad ones. Gotta you gotta pay the price. That's never have they never have four good ones, so you can just buy one. Um Karen, I just realized, fuck the candy talk. Did you change the haunted chair? Yeah. Oh, well, Stephen made me. <laughs> I mean, asked me very politely. I'm so too. sorry. <laughs> oh, my God. Karen, this like, whole time you've been sitting in this chair that sounds haunted when you move, <laughs> the creaking like boards of the basement haunting. I mean, again, it is a sensitivity I have with me and chairs, but I will say this. Oh, those are jury chairs from downtown Los Angeles in like the 20s or 30s. How'd you get that? Whoa. It, they were, I found them in some store in, in Silver machine? Lake. But yeah, basically in like nine, 19 or 2001 or 2002. <gasps> That's cool. So they are haunted, you can like, actually the farts of jurors from way back when. Yeah, old, um, a bunch of... You know, middle-aged men that look like Ernest Borgnine were the people that were on trials back then. Guilty. We saw the play. Guilty. We know. <laughs> uh, so now I have this whisper silent folding chair that my friend Karen Anderson gave me as a housewarming present. That's my favorite. Like, it's, it's all gold. Yeah, I like it. And it, you've seen it, right? Yeah, the it's gorgeous. Seat, it looks like wood, but it's a padded seat. It's gorgeous. It looks like wood something print. that was in my grandma's card table room. <laughs> exactly. You know? Exactly. The it's extra, card table when the late extra ladies came over to play cards, she'd have a chair to bring out. Hold yeah. On. And by that, you mean the crazy ladies, the ones that were a little bit extra? <laughs> Ugh. The best. Oh my god, that's my favorite. When I was a kid, and she, I'd stay with her for the summer, and she'd take me to the card, the card games at her friend's house, and they'd all give me like all the candy, and yes. I'd look at all their tchotchkes, and it was just so much fun. Um, yeah, candy, and you'd take a nap because it would be very warm. Yeah, and it smelled like a grandma, which I love. Yep. Everybody called you honey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know grandma energy. We'd re- we could really do for some grandma energy in the world right now. Big grandma energy is what we need. You know what I saw this, which is the kind of the corniest of all social media things, but my very favorite, which is every year, the holidays, the the tweet goes around of the boy that got the the text from the lady that said, um, be here, whatever. And then he said, uh, well, I'm not your grandson, but can I have a plate? And she said, of course, that's what grandmas do. You know, they're still doing it. And that boy is now married. Love them so much. He's married now in the whole family. He's married now with oh, to this what are gorgeous they do girl. About COVID, they still. Well, I, he said they're still going this they year. They can have a Zoom or maybe like a yeah, an outdoor socially I mean, distanced Christmas. It was never a big group at that family, <laughs> but that it really is. My sister and I were talking about it. It's such a feel good, oh, like amazing. You know deep down maybe we can all get along type of thing because that lady came at that thing with such energy of like of course you can just like those are the grandmas i know treat yourself like a grandma who's nice like if you have a country grandma don't treat yourself like that but yeah if you treat yourself like you imagine a grandma is supposed to be 
Yeah, if there were many um, grandparents and people of yore who were very damaged by coming up in this like the oh. American make or break totally. kind of like you had no you're chance. on your own from age five <laughs> bullshit that abuses the standard and yeah. shut up about your feelings and, and I'll roll suck your, it up. You're going to roll your own cigarettes because we don't have the money for free rolled <laughs> cigarettes at five yep. or whatever. Yeah. You don't get any candy and you'll like it. Mm-hmm. That whole mentality. There's some people that, yeah, they. it's just like um in... Uh, well, in our family, we always say there's the good Irish and the bad Irish. Mm. You can either be like the fun, drinky Irish with your arm around people, like telling a story and yeah. get in here. Or you can be like those the crazy, weird ones that are like secret drinkers and schizophrenic and all the crazy <laughs> shit. Don't be don't be the cra- be the good. I- That's another one. Be the good Irish, not the crazy Irish. Speaking of Irish, are you watching Fargo? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I'm caught up. Yes. I think I'm now caught up. Can I say I'm I'm kind of I know this is the whole point of Fargo, but I'm kind of over the gangster stuff. (laughs) I just want to watch Jesse Buckley, the redheaded nurse, live her fucking life. Like, that's all I I am fascinated by that character. I just want to watch that part of it with the neighbors. Her her angel of death life where she's just doing whatever she wants. And the way she talks and the way she fucked Jason Schwartzman. I was just like, damn, girl. (laughs) Like, she... And then when when the when she found her um, closet of I can't say, oh wait never mind shit spoiler spoilers I just love it's that. so good yeah yeah the gangster no, stuff I'm just like how about you guys just get along and you can do crime together I know I know but it's uh it, yeah you're right because it's a variation on a theme so it's yeah. always kind of the same thing but you're right when she first I mean spoilers but these ones are old but it's like that first time she basically snuffed out a patient you're uh-huh. just like wait what, what the fuck <laughs> like we we were i thought we were getting set up to think she was florence nightingale totally totally it's so and she, genius and the way she's manipula- manipulates like the hospital the head of the hospital and the way she, oh i love it that's the yeah. only part i like um it's pretty it's pretty great what else are you watching um uh, oh yeah i watched american murder <sighs> Oh. And yeah, it's the Shannon Watts. Is that is it Shannon? Shannon, yeah, Shannon Watts, Watts. Um, and their two daughters That's murder. Just, it it's, is. It's like dark. that podcast cold about that case in Utah, mm-hmm. where it's just there's no redeeming teeny tiny bit of anything. No. It's just horrendous. It's just confounding. And you're watching it on a body cam, which you yes. go, hey, hey, body cams would be the perfect idea if we didn't let the police control them right. because you are there. But then my thing was, I went through that and then I went, oh, I don't want to ever do that again. I don't yeah. want to sit there with the police as they begin investigating this man pretending to be upset because his know. wife is missing. And, and you, you know. know he's guilty. It's it's such it's you know what it is. It's like, hey, everybody on this true crime train in their own different compartment in their own different way and everybody gets what they get out of it I get off there I don't want to go that far and I don't want to get that far in especially when the story is so unbelievably tragic and yeah like you're saying Stark he lied until that female cop was like so you're comfortable letting the public believe that your wife killed your girls 
He's and an he was like, well, that's what I, like, like he tried, he kept trying and it was like, oh my God. What a monster. He's a monster and it doesn't, and it's just impossible to wrap your fucking head around. What about the part? So tons of spoilers, guys, obviously. Yeah. But what it's about on the Netflix, part? right? It's uh, American Murder, yes. something yes. about next door, family next door or something. Yeah, a family next door. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was the part where the cop was in the neighbor's house and then the guy and the husband leaves and then he's like, he never acts like this. And yeah. that, that neighbor was onto it Hell and yeah. just like spilling it the second that guy walked out. Totally. It was fascinating. He knew. I mean, but and it wasn't even like, yeah, he's not acting normal because his wife's missing. He was like, that's not there's something fishy going on. It was immediate. Like, yeah, yeah he was, was cool. on. It was. But but again, like you're saying, it's just knowing where it's going and then it's just like oh, this feels it, it's i would say this you can still be a fan of true crime and all that stuff and dip out for a little oh, while totally. when when reality is hard enough already yes you know what i mean check your uh check the things that are uh, making you feel okay because that one i i afterwards i was like nope not doing that no anymore. i didn't I, I didn't like it i've been watching saxondale to get my brain out of that realm of you know, terribleness. You know who I'm in love with on Saxondale is his assistant. Oh my god. Um, the best character. I love him. I want to spend personal time with him. <laughs> He's so good. The, the personality of a guy that stands next to the f- fucking Saxondale and listen to his bullshit and be like, cool, alright. Oh my god. It's just such <laughs> it's a beautifully nuanced show. It's, per- yeah. it's it's Steve Coogan who like anything he does just watch everything he's ever done. He's the best. It's yeah. what isn't on BBC probably or I don't know what we're watching it on. I think we're doing like maybe it's even Saxondale. I but, or, I bet you that's a Brit box or an acorn yeah. or some kind of specialty. It's something one you gotta search for, but it's just like, you gotta care. Absurd and lovely and everything. Also, his neighbor, um, this is if you are, if you are like me and a, a, Brit, what's it called? A Britif, Britophile? Uh-huh. <laughs> Anglophile. Jesus. That's the Britophiles that you love. Brita filters and fresh water. Oh my god, I do. My water tastes so clean. <laughs> I'm such a Brita file. <laughs> um, obviously, I'm I'm a huge one since I don't know the name of it. Mm. So clearly, I'm number one, the number one stan. Well, it's but, like when hipsters don't call themselves hipsters. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm so real. I'm just the realist. Anyhow, um, Saxondale's across the street neighbor is this British actor named Darren Boyd, who if you he is in every hilarious like those kinds of TV shows. Mm -hmm. He's the tall, blonde, kind of dorky guy that's constantly just. Yes. That he's constantly basically being bullied by Saxondale. Oh, he's so funny. Yes. Who's like in charge of the neighborhood watch. And he's (laughs) trying to like check on stuff but then and be a cool guy yeah it's so good yeah that's That's such that's been helping us it has a couple seasons too right yeah totally four seasons totally seasons when we watch that and after like the vow or fargo we put on saxondale for like a palate cleanser yeah saxondale's hilarious um good one i have uh oh i also so wait did you just say the vow yeah i don't i dipped out of the vow it's really slow it's slow and it's kind of draws on, but it's but the but the stuff in it is still interesting. So I've stuck with it. Okay, it's just a little like one of those. Ah, oh, come on! Like you could have done this in half as many episodes, but whatever. Yeah. Make your money. I think I I had to uh, 
I it it started to feel like an acting class to me. Mm. It it started to feel like when I used to have to take an acting class and I would just kind of sit in the back and just be like everybody seemed everybody was like kind of just kind of overtly sexual and also on the verge of tears and like po- you know what I mean? posed it was there- perfectly and <laughs> and all, but and like <clears throat> so so volunteering first like everyone oh, yeah, was volunteering yeah, first yeah. and trying to act like a you know they were walking through honey or whatever the exercise was oh, and I was just always in the back like what am I doing yeah. like why do I even like this so it has that tension of like those types of people like, that really need something that was them they're yeah. like they're thespians they're not actors karen they're thespians they're, they're artists is what they they're are. artists and they can cry on command there's some there's some <laughs> footage of the, ch- the the chick who's like because she was in fucking Battlestar galactica or whatever the fuck she was smallsville or whatever she's oh, like oh yeah yeah allison mack yeah it's she seems insufferable insufferable yeah, yeah. yeah. it's there, you know what it was? That was the, it was the scene between her and Keith Raniere when she first got taken to volleyball. Oh and, my God. And she was oh. so hardcore flirting with him in oh a way. Oh my God. I don't just I hug, wanted, I kiss. Ew. Uh, the, something about that oh. makes me want to leave my skin. <laughs> I cannot withstand watching people flirt like that. It was like be, flirt poorly. It was like, it was uncomfortable for everyone oh. involved, except and two bizarre, of them. bizarre, so bizarre. What were they like? She, like she was just like she knew. She, it's like she went in there knowing he. That's the first time they met. She knew he was the leader, and she was like, "I'm gonna fucking. This is gonna be my thing, and I'm gonna yeah. make this guy fall in love with me. And here's mm-hmm. how it's fucking done. And I'm an actor. What? Hold I'm, my jacket." <laughs> Exactly. Hold my jacket while I go make this I'm cult going leader in. fall in love with me. I'm going to flirt with someone who has the sexuality of an old raggedy Andy Ew. doll. You know what I love is knee pads and 4 a.m. volleyball. What's up? Here it is. And a very, very high lilting voice. Oh my God. That's what I'm looking for. Ugh, he's so gross. Also, honestly... Because, you know, they filmed everything. I just and maybe it's just like because they're trying to tell this other story. But would would it kill them just to explain what the point of any of those groups were? Right. Like what you actually got, what the, you know, here's the class we took. It's this. It said this. We were working on EMs to get us here. I do not understand how they glued this fucking ship together. It doesn't make sense because to me. Because they keep saying like to use for other job, our job and to get in our life. But it doesn't seem like they have other jobs or other lives. They're just sitting. And then there's like not that many people there either. So it's like, wouldn't you look around at this thing that's life changing supposedly and be like, well, why are there only 11 people here though? Yeah. And it's like the same 11. <laughs> it's like, like me going to a small Catholic school for for, for all junior high and high school, we were just like these people again. Yeah, I can't do it anymore. Fuck, and it's it's very yeah. You're right. A lot of those people were like, I took the class. Now I'm the teacher. <laughs> it's like that right. doesn't. This is that my job now. Right there. If if it's that accessible that now you're the teacher, how brilliant and genius can this program be? Right. That you're immediately teaching it. I want I want there to be decades of work before someone can become a teacher of whatever the fuck I'm learning. Hell yeah. You in my world, you would have to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. Uh-huh. You would have to it like it would be 
scenes from the golden child you'd have to go into a cave and jump from pole to pole and then drink the water make the fire go out not that i sat through two years of class and wrote down my fucking schedule every day and asked (laughs) if i was allowed to eat certain foods master master no fucking vanguard i refuse also, I think it's this. If if I if it were up to me to be like right now in sixth grade, we're going to start this uh, a, a program where we just start telling kids how to avoid getting sucked into cults. Uh-huh. And just a just a general like a step by step, almost like a dare class that you would put in. But now we're just <laughs> doing it for cults because it seems to be coming up a lot yeah. now. So when you have to give people evident uh, proof, what's it called? Um, Collateral collateral for anything get out which is just before the collateral yeah tit picks get out i mean give them them out if you want but don't don't give them out as collateral no don't get involved with anything that has the word collateral including the tom cruise movie (laughs) don't i'm saying stay away yeah and then if dieting has something to do with your spiritual program it doesn't you guys it doesn't Oh. oh my god I, Speaking of cults I have a book That I'm listening to That I fucking love That I want to tell you about mm. So it's It's by this It's a memoir And it's by this guy Named Mikel Jolette J-O-L-L-E Oh yeah I follow him on Twitter Yeah so he's the He's the singer Of Airborne Toxic Event And mm-hmm. he wrote um, A memoir And you're like Okay Beautiful man Who's in a band Who's super cool What's your fucking memoir And then I started Listening to it and it starts as him as a kid, like five years old, and it starts as his mother uh, sneaks him out of the cult that they're in and then goes from there. Wait, now, was he in a different one or was he in Synanon? Yes, Synanon. He was in Synanon. Uh-huh. Yes, that's the one that is out in, it's in Sonoma County. That's, that's right. like out near where I grew up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he, Ooh, I want to listen to that. It's great. And it's just, and then it goes from there and their lives and the mom and how she kind of still has that mentality. And it's such a fucking good book. And the, and he reads it obviously in the audiobook. I love it. It's it, great. Like, it, it adds say the title. It. It's called, Oh, I didn't even say the fucking title. Did I? It's called Hollywood Park. <laughs> Hollywood Park by Mikel Jolette. Yeah. It's great. It's great. It's all eight, very 80s, too. It's just so good. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Love a cult story. Sure. I love a true story. Love a memoir. Uh-huh. And then, yeah. It's great. Lead us out of a cult. Totally. And how did you get, like, you had a fucked up childhood. How did you get so successful? You know, like, people like to hear that as well. Yeah, because that's the key. Yeah. Fucked up. Being <laughs> fucked up is the key to getting somewhere. Hey, want to be an interesting person? Have a really hey. fucked up childhood. Do you want to have ambition burn inside you in a way that you cannot explain? <gasps> and oh, well, then have kind of a fucked up. <laughs> run and run and run from yourself and constantly try to achieve. That's right. Do it. Yes. That's the that's yes. the fuel. You're not fucked up. You're ready to go. Right. Or work against yourself for so many years by pouring the drugs and alcohol on top of it because you just are too overwhelmed by that creativity. And then suddenly one day you figure it all fucking out and you yep. become the successful person, whatever that's that means right. to you. That's right. 
But before that happens, you have to stew in your own juices for <laughs> That's quite right. some time. That's right. And really, Ooh. really feel fucked up. And they smell those juices. Oh, oh, I can smell it from here. That's right. So I have been listening to my go to these days is and I've already plugged this podcast, Sexy, you know, unique podcast. Mm-hmm. It's uh, Laura. I always am afraid I'm saying her last name wrong. Shane Halls, I believe. And uh, my friend Carrie O'Donnell. They just started covering, they're recapping season one of Rock of Love. Oh my God. The Brett Michaels dating show on VH1. We started that at the very beginning of quarantine. That yeah. show. Holy shit. Epic. It is so, yeah. They're so, the two of them talking about it is so hilarious. It's again my favorite when I don't have to actually suffer through reality yes. TV, but I can hear about it. I'd li- it's I my like favorite. That. We literally tried 10 minutes in the beginning. Let's try this again and couldn't watch it. It's just couldn't do so it. uncomfortable, but I'd listen to that. Hearing people do impressions of the people and oh. the things that they said, it's yeah. a totally, totally different, Dude. totally different thing. So, yeah, if you like reality TV or like recap shows or whatever, those guys, and also, I I belong to their Patreon, so I get bonus episodes. Oh, nice. And just the stuff they talk about in between, uh, you know, just processing yeah. the life that we're going through right now, it's very helpful to me. Oh. I listen to them a lot in the morning. That's it's nice. like my, you know, they're my podcast friends. Sure. Yeah. Wait, you have other podcast friends besides me? <laughs> they're my, they're the ones that they don't know. I'm their mm-hmm. podcast mm-hmm. friend. You're my literal. Right. Got it. Um, should yeah. we do some exactly right catch up? Let's do it. Guys, we have a big announcement in a minute. But first. Oh, yeah. Good one. Tease it up. But first, up. Uh, we want to tell you that we have some merch going on right now. So the, the, um, the design, this is terrible. Keep going was so awesome. And you guys loved it so much that we put out tank tops. Um, they're on the website now. And then we also have mugs. So it says, this is terrible. Keep going, which is like so perfect for these days in it's so many so, ways. It's timely. Uh huh. Um, and yet eternal. Yeah. I think you buy this shirt and it pays off in the meantime. Mm. And then, of course, the long run is entirely covered. I, I don't know if you can say that about <laughs> just any shirt or really any shirt at all, but this one. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Maybe, maybe a nice Henley. In the network, moving over to network yeah. news, um, this podcast will kill you. Just released their season finale, season three finale, um, on Tuesday, and they're talking all about birth control. Very timely and topical. Yeah. Um, or so that sounds fucking awesome. I want it. Yeah. Like, the, the, let those ladies walk you through some birth control info. Yeah. And then also the fall line is, um, they interviewed, uh, Monica Kason from CUE Missing Person Center about their missing person search efforts. So that's just a really interesting thing for people who are into true crime and into, you know, missing persons, person cases. I think you'll like yeah. that. Yeah. That's great. Okay. Big announcement. It's big announcement time now. Oh and my we, God. we have been talking about waiting for this announcement for so long that I, it's just surreal that it's finally here. I can't. I'm it's so it's a relief that it's finally here. It feels so good. You guys, we are about to announce two new podcasts that are coming to exactly right. 
This first one is a, a podcast that's going to be hosted by our friends, Millie DeCherico and Danielle Henderson, two hilarious and very talented and very brilliant ladies. Um, Millie is the programmer on Turner Classic Movies, um, and she has been for the past, like, I think, 17 years. Danielle Henderson is a TV writer. Um, she's hosted a bunch of stuff. She, you also might know her because she invented the feminist Ryan Gosling meme that is... Th- one of the most genius things I've ever seen. So you might know her from that as well. The two of them have gotten together, Millie and Danielle, and they uh, have made a podcast called I Saw What You Did. And it is a, um, it's a, it's basically a movie podcast where the two of them every week, they're going, they basically quote unquote program a double feature for you. Um, They pick two movies. Uh, It's always a theme. So it'll be like um, Neighborhood Creeps or Great 70s Apartment or hysterical women who have every right to be hysterical. And um, basically, um, the two of them watch the movie and break it down and talk about it. Millie being kind of the the film um, expert and Danielle being a film fan um, and just a person that d- likes to watch movies. So it's really hilarious. Um, you know, they're women of color. It's just a, it's just a really cool new way, new discussion of watching movies. Yeah. And we're super, super excited to be hosting it. I think it's going to be groundbreaking in some ways, you know, and it premieres on November 10th. So keep an eye out for it. Okay. And then the second podcast that we're going to announce today is called Tenfold More Wicked. We're so freaking excited about this. Oh my God. Um, it's hosted by author and journalist Kate Winkler Dawson. So each season, Kate's going to blend her, her incredible storytelling skills and her investigative journalism skills to present a new gruesome or, or spooky, um, crime from the past, like pre 1930s, which is such a cool time period. Um, later seasons are going to touch on how crimes led to the ins- insanity defense in criminal trials or highlight why body, why cadavers are so important in med school and like how that happened. So it's going to be freaking awesome. Obviously, you know, the fact that she's both an investigative journalist and a storyteller is just going to make for an incredible podcast. Yeah, if you have read any of her books, Kate Dawson, she is an unbelievable crime historian and she's written a, we, I've read all of her books just from, uh, from knowing her from working with her. And it's, she's such a talented storyteller and her doing a podcast. I mean, it is, she does amazing work. And uh, so that comes out tenfold more wicked on November 23rd. And I saw what you did on November 10th. Oh, my God. We have two new podcasts on the network. Two new podcasts, you guys. We're, we're so stoked. We're a real boy now. And there's more to come. There's yes. uh, there's more to come on this slate. But those are the first two of of a new um, bunch of new shows. Yeah. So finally, you, to, you know, I know we've waited so long. Yeah. You thought we were lying to you. We weren't lying to you. We weren't. No fucking lying. Not to about you. that. Not about that. Oh, sure. True. Right. Anything else you want to touch upon or, you know, Um, feel or fondle upon? (laughs) I mean, not really, because there hasn't been that much going on, Mm -mm. except for it feels like there's a bunch going on. So there's a strange malaise, like a laziness that it, it is going hand in hand with um, procrastination mm-hmm. or I just never feel like doing anything. Nope. Never ever. Why would you? But, it's the, it's nothing happens. Yeah. That's it. It's rough. Yeah. Stay low. I, my, here's my, uh, 
my advice if anyone wants it. Stay low to the ground and cool to the touch. <laughs> Stay out of direct sunlight. You know? Like so vampire. Try to keep, the, <laughs> try vampire. To keep all the shade shut. <laughs> try to get pale because you might as well. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Or at least say it's okay that I'm doing it. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you want to be mean, like a cat vampire. Low to the ground. Yeah. Dark. You okay? I, I'm just saying last night for dinner, I did have a giant pretzel. And there's no world where I should be ordering a giant pretzel and eating it. It's No, it's fine it, to get a giant pretzel. But did you have anything else is the important thing. If you only, I did have some okay, salad. Then you're fine. Okay, I'd but it was a giant. Only, it doesn't matter. If you only had a giant pretzel, that would be worth I'm saying this pretzel could have fed a giant. <laughs> the jolly green giant. It's it okay. was so gigantic. <sighs> um, yeah, but we're working on it day by day. That's right. We are. What else can we do? There's really no choice in the matter that you have. We don't have choice. No. Uh, no. Yeah. Therapy. That's so important. Do that, too. Do that. That's good. That's important. My mom texts me, I love you for the first time. And it's first time she said it in months and months. Wow. So that's a positive thing. That's very (laughs) good. Oh, yeah. Well, no, I'm just thinking, you know, you know what I think it was? Go ahead. Sorry. Well, no, no. I'm just thinking with this swirl of how psychotic politics are getting. I think there's a lot of people who if they could just get like touch a buzzer and just be out free and clear, they would be. Oh, you know what but they're was, in so far that's right that's so funny that you equated it with that because i did too i saw that she wrote i love you and miss you because we're not really speaking and yeah. i thought oh man i bet i thought to myself how on earth did she in her jewish mind make proud boys stand back and stand by okay yes and then yes. my mind i'm like she couldn't i love you and miss you is an opening of a door yes There's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com slash murder and here's the important note that promo code is all lowercase so go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level that's shopify.com slash murder again don't forget the code is all lowercase goodbye 
Hey, Karen, you know that feeling when you're stressed out and your heart starts to pound and your mind is racing? I do. I know it well. Well, while there's no cure for stress, therapy can help shape your response to it. And since May is Mental Health Awareness Month, there's no better time to try Talkspace. When you sign up for Talkspace, you'll receive a personalized match with a therapist or psychologist, typically within 48 hours. Forbes rates Talkspace as the number one online therapy platform, plus their licensed professionals are in-network with almost all major insurance companies. Once you meet your therapy goals, or if you want to cancel for any reason, Talkspace will provide you with a prorated refund for unused time. I feel like these days people understand the importance of therapy, but the difficult part is just taking that first step. It took me months to make my first therapy appointment. I was so scared. I had a lot of ideas in my head about it. And that's why I think Talkspace is such a good idea, because making it so approachable will just get you there sooner. Then you can actually get in there, figure out what you need, talk to an actual professional, and be on your way to solving some stuff that you might want to solve. To celebrate Mental Health Awareness Month and the power of talking it out in therapy, Talkspace is offering our listeners $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80. Go to Talkspace.com slash MFM and use promo code SPACE80. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash MFM and enter promo code SPACE80 and get $80 off your first month and show your support for our show. That's Talkspace.com slash MFM. Enter promo code space 80. Goodbye. I realized this week that I had a heavy hitter. And mm-hmm. once I got to page nine on my story <laughs> <laughs> and had more to talk about, I was like, listen, Karen, I'll go this week if you want. And you go yeah. next week. How about it? I was it? like, that I ever right. it. and I need, um, I need a week to learn how to roller skate. So next week. (laughs) That's right. You can really seize your time as you will not do as I did not do. Having nine pages in a story, it just brought me so back to tour. Like, I think I'm having a thing now where like, now the memories of touring are so sweet and golden and and wonderful. And everyone I think of is like, remember that fucking hotel in Toronto that was, um, I think Japanese themed that I mean, it was unbelievable hotel the one i just slept perfect. in the one i missed our fucking call time in because i was sick yeah yes it was yeah, gorgeous that's right it was unbelievable um, but they're typing up my story and going to do the insert page number and <laughs> being like nine it, like where we would say to each other and you had said to me before like can can you not do like the a story that long where i'm like i know i'm sorry and you try to cut it down but like yeah. what do you take out yeah Because you're like, I'm just trying to get the good story going. But it happens because then, you know, then I do stuff like show you old men with tomato plants and stuff like (laughs) that. Which I'm like, don't take that out. Take take something else out. Take out the horrible facts of humanity and what people do to each other. Old men with tomato pants. (laughs) So this has become uh, 11 pages with 16 font perfect in uh georgia font of course because that's my thing georgia. hey so because it, this is an important story and maybe people haven't heard about it because it takes place in australia mm. so i've been uh, following this case for a couple of years now because it's been a cold case which you know i'm obsessed with um yes. it's been going on for over 20 years and i wanted to wait until there was a resolution which a couple of years ago something happened and this last month in september finally there's 
kind of been a resolution. Oh, wow. So it's, it's no longer a cold case. So, uh, it's like, it's Perth's. It's, so it takes place in Perth in Australia. It's kind of like their Golden State Killer or BTK where it just completely changed the area and how people live their lives and, you know, raise their children. It just, it shook everyone up. We got yelled at by a lot of people when we were on tour in Australia for not uh, going to Perth. A hundred percent. We, there were people who drove from Perth, they were mad. We were, they were like, look, it's a stop. You're supposed you, to go to Perth. No, you can't, I, you can't drive to Perth. I don't, I don't know. Well, yeah, let me, I'll tell you all about it. This is the, uh, Claremont serial killer. Oh, wow. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. Yes. I, you don't know how many times I said to Jay, please don't let Karen do the Claremont serial killer. I've been working on it. I've been like, I had docs and shit. And I was like, don't let her do it. I, it's mine. He's you like, text him once a month, every month on the first. And I Georgia was like, text she Jay suggested, no. fine. It's hers. But don't fucking suggest it to her, please. And he promised me. So finally going to do it. Uh, I got information from WAToday.com. There's an article by Heather McNeil, Noosa News by Angie Raphael, News.com.au by Candace Sutton. Um, there's a Claremont, the trial podcast or a whole Claremont series podcast wow. that you can listen to. Uh, ABC Australia, uh, uh, Andrea Mays and, uh, seven news in Australia, an article by Duncan McNabb. And there's these, there's so many great journalists that have been following this for, you know, decades. And mm-hmm. so there's a lot to read about it. So let me tell you about Claremont. Perth is the capital of Western Australia and it has a population of almost two million people. It's so it is the most isolated city in the world. Is it really? Yeah, which is okay, why we so didn't go there. <laughs> me saying and me saying driving, they would have had to have flown. They would have. I, they would have driven through Aus- the Australian outback, like oh. fucking kangaroos and shit, or, and fucking <laughs> brushland. Like I don't know, fucking red dirt and kangaroos, yeah. bitch. Are you ready? <laughs> I'm sure they hate me for saying that, <laughs> but it is. It's the most. But it's ice- just that one part. Yeah, it's teeny yeah. tiny. It takes five hours to fly there. It's the most isolated uh, city in the world. It's got the Indian Ocean on one side and the Australian outback on the other. Jesus. It's really cool. If you zoom, if you look at it on a map and like start zooming out, it's, it's like, here's, it's like if Los Angeles was here, it's basically Los Angeles to Houston to get, to get what? to Adelaide. So the next no. big city is Adelaide and it's, um, it's a 30 hour drive. Okay, so sorry. that's how isolated it is. Can I just say, <laughs> what if you lived in? <laughs> Wait, what? What if you lived in Perth? Uh-huh. This is this might be what I do when I retire. Yeah, because you know I really, genuinely, really loved Australia oh, in a very deep I wrote, spiritual uh, way. Yeah, I wrote it's it's a beautiful fucking city, and I wrote there's a chance I might move there on November fourth. As a matter of fact, <laughs> definitely. Will they take us? I hope. Will they, they take, take us? Because Canada won't take us anymore. Can someone speak well, to the mayor of Perth and? Please. We're really fun at parties. Um, I was just thinking it would be fun to move to a house that's right on the edge of the outback. So you're the place that the, the first place that the man dying of thirst crawls to out of the outback. If he does make it at all, yeah. he's knocking on your door that's, first just to be there for the stories. That's a good one. So um, it's L.A. to Houston, basically. It's sister cities are Houston, as a matter of fact, and San Diego. So you can imagine it's, it's a beautiful place like some of the uh, most expensive houses in australia 
are in Perth. I think it's kind of like a secret famous person place to go because um, mm. Australians don't give a shit that you're they're like, oh, there's a famous person. Who cares? Like, that's right. kind of where they go to just live their lives. Um, you know what they do? Australians, they'll even if you're a famous person, they'll tell you to throw shrimp on the barbie. <laughs> That's to your right. face. That's exactly they don't give right. a shit. Right. They're very casual people They're, as a nation. Um, so it's super isolated. Um, and Claremont is a suburb of Perth. It's located on the north bank of the Swan River. It's um, really charming and upscale. The main district of Claremont is known as an affluent local hub. So it has a bunch of cute boutiques. Like think of Beverly Hills boutiques and restaurants and pubs and bars. And it's like the young nightlife scene, but it's, you know, upscale. So it's it's kind of a lovely little place. It's safe. It's a close-knit community. Australian reporter Alison Fan describes it as the heart of the gold triangle of Western suburbs. Basically, it's the kind of place where you don't expect anything bad to happen, of course. Mm -hmm. That is until the mid-90s, within a span of 15 months, when three young women mysteriously disappear right off the street. So... Uh, 18-year-old 18, 18 Sarah Spears is the first to disappear. So she had moved to Perth after finishing high school nearby. She goes to secretarial school. She gets a job as a receptionist. She, like all of these stories go, she's lovely. She makes friends easily. She's close with her family. She's responsible. Um, she's very comfortable in her new city life. She lives with her sister. And she, um, her dad describes her as the type of person who met everyone with a glow. And friends said she was just filled with laughter. Mm. On the night of January 27th, 1996, she's out with her friends visiting the clubs and she leaves Club Bay Bayview at the center of Claremont at around 2 a.m. by herself. Uh, at 2.06 a.m., she calls a taxi from the, f the public phone booth and there's a recording of her calling the taxi. And she's seen waiting alone by three eyewitnesses who also mentioned seeing an unidentified car stopping where she's waiting. And then when the taxi arrives at 2.09 a.m., she's gone. Mm -hmm. She's not there. So um, by the next day, her disappearance are, are like automatically alarms friends and family who know she's responsible and reliable, wouldn't just take off. So even though you know, there was like usually a waiting period for missing, missing people to be uh, taken seriously. Her friends and family kind of made it happen because they were so freaked out. So um, there's a massive, massive public attention immediately. Her friends hand out missing posters all over Claremont and it becomes a major investigation because of her family and friends. Um, wow. They pass out 20,000 flyers. There's 2000 posters all over Perth. 50 buses have her picture on them a missing persons flyer um like you couldn't go anywhere and not see her face so people knew about it immediately a task force is set up within 48 hours to look into her case but there's really no evidence like no one saw her disappear um and so the trail goes cold so that was in january so then we get to june uh june 6 1996 23-year-old Jane Rimmer is with friends for a night out in Claremont, the same area. She's described as bubbly and funny. She's really genuine and she's really easy to get along with. All, all of the pictures of these women are just, you'd be friends with all of them, you know? Right. She is a live-in nanny and the two young children she nannies adore her. She's friends with the mother, even though there's a big age difference. She's just a really easy to get along with person. And in fact, the mother had spoken to her. They talked on the phone for like four hours a couple days before and even discussed the disappearance of Sarah Spears. Oh. 
So Jane's friends tell the police that they had hit a couple different night spots, including Club Bayview, where Sarah had last hung out. And there's a long line at one of the clubs. So Jane's friends decide to take a taxi home, but Jane wants to stay behind. CCTV had been installed in Claremont after Sarah had disappeared. Um, and it actually caught footage of Jane standing outside um, this club called the Continental at 1204 a.m. So sh- it's it's like busy. There's people hanging out outside and smoking and like lively. It's not like it's a desolate area. Um, she seems like she's waiting for someone like maybe a taxi. She's leaning on a pole. She's laughing. Um, the camera catches her talking to an unknown man man. She's just laughing with him. Um, it pans away. And when it pans back, she's fucking gone. Um, 55 days later, and actually, sorry, that CCTV footage isn't released until 2008. What? Because they wanted to keep, I don't know, they wanted to keep things under wraps. They sent it mm. to NASA to try to get more foot, more information, and they couldn't, and they just kept it under wraps, which is weird. So, 55 days later, on August 3rd, a family's out for the day in the bushland of Wellard, about 25 miles south of Claremont. So, the mother, uh, she's looking at these, what are called death lilies. She sees the biggest one she's ever seen, so she kind of walks through the brush to look at it and she feels something brushing the back of her leg. This feels like fate in a weird, creepy way. She turns to see what was she was feeling and she sees a tiny foot sticking out of some brush. And uh, it is, she had found the naked body of Jane hidden under some brush. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. What are the odds? That's crazy. It's just creepy. It's sad. Horrible. Her remains were too, too decomposed to confirm a cause of death, but an autopsy does show that she had a prominent injury on her neck that's consistent with a knife wound. Mm. So it's reported to the media that a pot. Okay. So then the same day on a road less than a mile from where the, where Jane's body was found, they, the investigators find a pocket knife. And it had a telecom logo on it. So telecom, which I'm going to call, it turns into um, this company called Telstra. So I'm going to call it that from now on. So Telstra um, is Australia's largest telecommunications company, basically like AT&T or Verizon, like phone lines, internet, they do all that shit. Mm-hmm. So the knife was issued as standard uh, equipment to Telstra workers. What the fuck is it doing out in the middle of nowhere? So several witnesses who live in the area tell detectives detectives they heard a woman screaming and shouting the night jane went missing i know like what call it what uh one man says he heard a woman screaming quote leave me alone let me out of here and sees a car drive away in the direction of the spot where jane's body was found another couple closer to the crime scene remember blood curdling cries that stopped mid mid scream oh guys what the fuck i mean do you call the police at that moment they didn't call it in? No, I don't think so. It was discovered after the... Yeah. Um, so you don't want to be an alarmist, but those sound like reasons to call the police. Might as... Just to check it out. Right. Right. Yeah. Just to make sure you're right in not freaking out. Exactly. 
Then it turns out that on the night that Sarah Spears had gone missing, witnesses had also heard blood-curdling screams less than five miles away um, in the Mossman Park area between 2.30 a.m. and 3 a.m., which were, quote, consistent with a female in distress. But remember, Sarah hadn't oh. been found. Her body hasn't been found. Um, mm-hmm. But it was in that area. So... Um, one of the witnesses who heard the screams said that when they looked in the direction of the screams, they saw a white or cream colored car that was parked on the wrong side of the street. And the screams were heard only about 20 minutes after Sarah was last spotted outside the club, seemingly waiting for a taxi. So after Jane Rimmer's body is found, Western Australian police launched what they call the macro task force to investigate the disappearance of both Jane and Sarah. And there's massive publicity um, in this city where women are normally relatively safe. And then I was thinking about like, well, why, you know, don't leave a bar alone and that sort of thing. But it seems like it was a, a bustling area that they were in and they, I've walked home a million fucking times. And like, yeah, you think about walking home from bars in like Silver Lake yeah. is probably more dangerous than walking home from a bar in this area. Right. And it's like, yeah. I, it's my, it's, I'm familiar. This is my neighborhood. Why would I feel unsafe in my neighborhood? You don't even, Consider and there's people that that's a bummer. The thing that is very sinister and upsetting to me is people being around people disappearing when there's a group of people around is very scary. Definitely. And very like, you know, because that means some they were targeted. They were targeted and the person who took them has no fear too. Yeah. And then I was thinking and about a plan. Yeah. When I'm drinking, I kind of like get giddy and I'm like, I'm just going to walk home and listen to music and I feel I'm happier. Sure. And so I'm just like, I'm just going to walk. You know, it's just such a normal thing to do. Then nine months later, in the early morning hours of March 15th, 1997, Sierra Glennon, a 27 year old from Mossman Park, also disappeared from the Claremont area. Sierra was a lawyer and spoke fluent Japanese, so very smart. She had come home to Perth after a year of backpacking overseas. She came back to be a bridesmaid in her sister's wedding that was happening in a week and to return to her job at a law firm. Like Sarah and Jane, she's out with friends and heading to the Continental Nightclub when she decides to make her way home. She kind of hadn't wanted to go out that night. She did anyway, so she leaves her friends early. So there's three men at a bus stop. They see Ciara uh, walking south along Sterling Highway at around 1230 a.m. And I don't think this is like a desolate highway. I feel like it's almost like Wilshire Boulevard where it's just like a main street, you know? Right. So they see her interacting with someone in a light colored vehicle that had stopped for her. Um, and then she disappeared. And um, so those witnesses, they're, they become known as the Burger Boys. It's these three dudes, Troy Bond, Frank McElroy, and Brandon Gray. They're sitting together at a bus stop eating burgers, and they had noticed a newer model Holden Commodore station wagon, which looks like an 80s Volvo or Honda station wagon type of thing. Mm-hmm. They see it pull up alongside a woman, um, and but they didn't see her. They see her talking to the driver through the window, but they didn't continue to watch to see if she got in. Although another witness says he did see her get in the car. Then she disappears. Um, Ciara is described as a strong in spirit and courageous. And so her father tells reporters that his daughter is a fighter and she's going to fight whoever took her. But sadly, 19 days later, on April 3rd, her semi-clothed body is found by a bushwalker who's out looking for marijuana. 
And having been, she had been discarded about 25 miles north of Claremont. And the cause of death is noted as being consistent with a neck injury. So we later find out that it looks like, you know, knife wounds to the neck. Same MO. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they're also placed in the exact same way, except mirror images with like their arm up and, you know, um, During the autopsy, it's discovered that Ciara had indeed fought back. In fact, she had fought her killer so hard that one of her thumbnails is partially torn off. And she has her attacker's DNA under her fingernails. Nice. Yes. But of course, it's too early. You know, it's 97. There's no real testing on DNA at that point. So after the disappearance of Jane Rimmer, the Western Australian police had set up the macro task force. And to look into the two similar cases, they kind of knew automatically that they're all related. When CR disappears as well, police confirm that they're searching for a serial killer and the um, Western Australian government offers a $250,000 reward, which is the largest ever offered in the state at the time. Wow. They say um, the serial killer has a preferred victim profile, a young woman between 18 and 27 with small build, fair complexion, intoxicated and alone. And it does seem that they, and I don't know if all of them, but some witnesses said that they did seem intoxicated, which is, you know, it's just like, they're so targeted at that point. It's so awful. Yeah. Yeah. So this case becomes fucking huge. It grabs a ton of public attention. It's basically like Ted Bundy level attention. After the Florida Kai Omega murders, you know, the whole town mm-hmm. is fucking terrified or the BTK. Like basically that someone among us in our small community is committing these horrendous acts and people are terrified. Yeah. So Detective Inspector Paul Ferguson leads the inquiry and he has more than 100 investigators on the case. There are several leads, but the strongest is the CCTV footage of Jane Rimmer and the unidentified man. Um, it's sent to NASA. You know, there's nothing they, they can't enhance it in any way. And it's released in 2008 because police feared that releasing it would have hindered the investigation. But it's like, maybe someone will recognize the way that person is standing or walking. You know, it's just who you never fucking know. Yeah. It makes me think, though, of those. It, it's... When it happens in a place where it never happens, when it happens in a place where people always say it could never happen here, the investigation, unless they call people in right away, Mm -hmm. which people are learning to do now, Mm -hmm. but oftentimes it's that it's that decision making. Yeah. They've been criticized a lot about about the investigation, and it's partly because they kept so much secret, you know, and they kept so much to themselves that people didn't think they were actually doing anything. And in some cases, you know, maybe they weren't following through as well as they should have. And maybe the public's help could have done something. But in others, it's just, you know, they were keeping everything really uh, under wraps. Um, the man in the video is never identified. No evidence is found to link him. And um, police also use a woman to reenact Ciara Glennon's night. So they basically dress her in what she was wearing. Exactly. A woman who looks like her has her walk the same path and go to the same bars. Um, but nothing pans out. The initial focus of the investigation centers on the unidentified vehicles seen at the two locations. And also, so basically I think what we were all thinking is taxi drivers. It's gotta be some yes. t- taxi drivers, some fake taxi you know, I think everyone's independent, that. some kind of independent cab thing of like, it's just me and my guy. Exactly. And I have this weird sign. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Which I've fucking gotten in those before. Like I've gotten in one of those 
those like uh, every time I'm at a JFK in New York, it's, exactly. that's, you, you just do it. Who cares? I it's New York. There's a million of them. You wave your arm yeah. out in the middle of the street and you get in whatever fucking car stops for you. You know, yeah. you just get in. You just want to get inside to get up the street. That's right. Yeah. You know, they're 10 minutes away from home. They're intoxicated. You, everyone gets in a taxi. It's normal. It's safe. And it's the safe have, thing to do is to get in a taxi. It's, it's the smart. It's the smart choice to make. Also, it, it, it's that idea of somebody sitting in a, a, in a car with some kind of like a dispatch radio or some mm. kind of a, a a spying on thing where if they hear that it go, the call <gasps> goes out, they go. But but that's just like this could this could also be me listening to other podcasts about this. But that's my that's, that's what it makes. It leads me to think about that's a really interesting one. Wow. Um like someone who got fired for they couldn't be a cab driver anymore. Right. Because they attacked some other young woman. And you so are now not they're... far. Oh. You're you're parallel. Okay. But you're not yeah. But you're, you're... It's the mayor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck, Karen. Why'd you ruin this for me? Okay. So taxi drivers, of course. So thousands of taxi drivers licensed in Western Australia are fingerprinted and DNA tested, which was really expensive at the time. So they actually, the investigators were criticized for that as well. They find 78 drivers with significant criminal histories. And because of this, it doesn't lead them to the killer, but standards for eligibility for taxi drivers are raised. And Good. Yeah, great. And these 78 drivers are delicensed, and there's stricter standards um, applied to verify that decommissioned ta- taxis are properly stripped of official insignia and equipment. Mm-hmm. Great. Oh, sorry. Can I just say this? Yeah. What what we should be saying, though, about and whoever is in charge, because this not, might not be the police, but the fact that the one young woman went missing and they put up CCTV cameras the next day, mm-hmm. that is how things should work. Definitely. You know what I mean? If something happens and while they're doing all this other stuff, it's like, now, what would have been different to make this better and like right. not so horrible cameras and then just getting it done? Yeah. That's impressive. Totally. That they did that that quickly and that they then... And did this investigation like found, you know, all the while they were like, yeah, at least they had something going on that was positive and getting the DNA tested, even though it's expensive and it's not normal at the time, they still did it. So they had it on hand in case in the future something was able to match it, you know? Yeah. So though the murders had stopped at this point, um, over the years, the macro task force is met with both praise and criticism for its handling of the case. A, a lot of um, information is suppressed from the public. So one of the controversial tactics that macro used was sending questionnaires to over 110 persons of interest that included questions like, are you the killer? So, what? yeah. Really? Uh-huh. They also relied heavily on international experts. They had a lie detector machine imported from another country. And this might be the most controversial of them all. One task force officer attempted to offer, uh, sorry, one task force officer accepted an offer um, from convicted serial killer, uh, David Burney, to insist in the investigation. So David Burney, he's from Perth as well. I did. I think th- I did him. I did him. Or episode, you did it? Yeah, I did it in episode ninety four. It's the Morehouse murders. Remember, there was that Hounds of Love movie that I talked about that had like portrayed it. That was so fucking creepy, and it was him and his wife kidnapping yes. women and then burying them. Yeah, 
So that one was fucking dark. And so they went to this monster in the same way. Remember when Ted Bundy was like offering to help them solve shit. And you're like, sit yeah. down, motherfucker. <laughs> well, and yeah. And what can they it's offer? A, what can they what can he offer to help? You know, thoughts, thoughts and feelings. Yeah. I don't know. They have nothing to do in jail. But yeah. I, unless they know the person or they know the area, right. or they know that that would be a different thing. But well, was this guy just like, here's my theories? Yeah. Here's how this person probably works. Here's what his mind is like. Here's what kind of person he is. Here's what you know, but which if they already have a um, profile of this person, then they don't really need that guy. They have actually professional people doing it. Not a fucking serial killer. Yeah, it's not. Um, this isn't Silence of the Lambs. Exactly. And you're not Dr. Hannibal Lecter that actually was an expert in this before he. Right. And knew some people. The killer, too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. Uh, Good point. Yes. Right. That's right. He was a patient. Yeah. He was the he was the boyfriend of a patient. That's right. right. <laughs> How dare you school me? I'm, I'm so sorry. sorry. I'm so sorry. Oh, I <laughs> well, you're right. No, you're what was you're 100 percent right. What was the patient's name? They went in his garage, and it was so I know. Creepy. Not Bob. Was it Bob? It was a weird. He, he gave him the fake name. Bob. Yes, that's the, Hannibal. No, Bob was the name of the his, fake name of the the boyfriend. patient. <laughs> Buffalo Bill was the boyfriend. Yeah, so that's Bob because he gave a fake name. And then the boyfriend's name, who's the patient? Steven? Steven? Anything for us? <laughs> we it's said not, that exactly. That character's not listed on Wikipedia. I have to run uh, to IMDb. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's bullshit. Hold on a second well, because for being he honest. says it. He says it in the scene before she goes to um, mm-hmm. yourself, yourself storage. Look inside yourself storage. Let me take a bunch of that out, Steven. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> not all of it. Not all of it. Classic. <laughs> Speaking of uh, profile, due to the nature of the killings, experts suggest that the Claremont killer was probably a single white male, 25 to 35, lived in the area, appeared trustworthy, organized, social, and probably well-educated. Um, mm. Detective Dan Detective Dan Capwarn replaces Ferguson as the case leader and finds the first suspect in the killings, a man named Lance Williams. So Lance Williams is a 41-year-old public servant. He lives with his parents at Cottesloe, which is um, close to the hotel where both Spears and Rimmer had spent some of the e- their evening on the night they disappeared. But it seems like his biggest fault is that he seems to become obsessed with the case, you know, which is always a red fucking flag. He even occasionally drives around Claremont late at night to conduct his own mini investigation into the murders, he says. Ugh. And Uh-oh. he even offers women women rides home, he says, because he's worried about them. Um, so one time he circles the area more than 30 times. And of course, this raises red flags for the investigators. And they have a young female officer dress up for the night for a night out and, um, act, you know, act as bait. And he does offer the undercover officer a lift and he's immediately arrested. So on February 5th, 1998, he's questioned for like 12 to 17 hours, it seems, and then released. And he remains the chief suspect for the most of the next decade. 
and wow. is placed under intense scrutiny with police. Open, they openly follow him and to and from work every day for years. His family home is raided a few times. Listening devices are installed in his office. One of one, one which once crashed through the ceiling onto his desk. <laughs> because uh-huh. they were, the cops were spying on him trying to find out if he was the guy. Yep. And so in his office, they think he's going to admit to it somehow. And so they put a recording device in there and it fucking was too heavy and fell through the ceiling onto his desk. Oh, my God. Um, He maintains his innocent. There's his innocence during the six different interviews he has with police. But the public finds out his identity. So they also fucking go after him as well. Of course. The thing is. He wasn't lying. He was obsessed with the case and he did want to make sure women got got home safe. He's finally declared no longer a person of interest in 2009. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. He didn't fucking do it. And detective, wow. he's a weirdo, but he didn't do it. Detective Caphorn. <laughs> We're all weirdos like he is. I'm, yeah, exactly. But I think, yeah, but I think the difference, that difference of, and it almost feels like there's a there's a naivete right. to it of going and offering people rides home Absolutely. puts you squarely in an area you should not be in if you're yeah a dude well they were right to suspect, suspect him and and interview him and keep an eye and keep him in as a suspect if they couldn't rule him out but detective yeah. caporn is criticized for having tunnel vision when it came to him as a suspect and just yeah. focusing on him. And um, Lance William dies in 2018 of cancer at 61 years old. Georgia, have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant, like perfectly scrambled eggs? Oh my God, yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could, as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient, Made In Cookware. Made In was created to bring restaurant quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Made In. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of Made In products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made in, made in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into. Whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve, the key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines, and June's Journey has that and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman, on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. 
Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens. And don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out. You never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye. So, Mm. all right. Well, it turns out that the reason Lance was no longer a person of interest in 2009 is because that year, forensic scientists are finally able to properly test the DNA that had been found under Ciara Glennon's fingernails. And they recover an unknown male's DNA profile. And it, I mean, it went, they went through so much that I don't get into about how they were able to extract DNA. And it's these incredible scientists who painstakingly like fucking made sure that they, they really wanted to solve this case. So yeah. um, when they compared the, that DNA to the DNA of other sexual assault cases in the area, they matched another unknown male's DNA from an unsolved abduction and rape that had occurred in 1995. Ooh. And it was a year before the string of murders began. So in that case, a 17-year-old girl is walking home after a night out in the same Claremont venue, uh, from the same Claremont venue where Sarah Spears would later leave a year later. And she had been grabbed from behind, bound and gagged, and then put into a van. And she was driven to a cemetery. She's fucking dragged through the dark. She's uh, raped twice, this brutal rape the whole time. She's like thinking she's going to die. She purposely doesn't look at him in the face, thinking maybe that'll give her a chance to live if she doesn't see his face. And uh, amazingly, um, he leaves her alive, but obviously very fucking wounded. And it's so awful. So she survives the assault. She goes straight to a nearby hospital where her rapist's DNA is recovered. And they're also able to find fibers from this case that are also on Jane and Ciara, which are rare microscopic blue polyester fibers, as well as fibers that match what would have been in a Holden Commodore station wagon. Oh, right. But again, it doesn't lead to a suspect. So they have a way to match all these cases and like maybe they'll get more inform, you know, they have more information, but they still don't have a person that, you know, it's all unknown male DNA. So it doesn't lead to a suspect, nor does the report by a security guard um, who saw a Telstra van leaving the area when the 17 year old girl had been raped at around 4 a.m. Um, detectives do request a list of Telstra employees. Remember that knife that was found at the crime scene? Um, yeah. Who were assigned vans, but that doesn't lead them anywhere either. They, they check it and can't find anyone of interest. So years go by until investigators decide to go through old evidence boxes from other similar crimes in the nearby area and test those for DNA. So that leads to an evidence box that had just been hanging out from an unsolved 1988 um, Huntingtondale sexual assault case. So in 1988, there's a series of prowler incidents in the Huntingtondale area, which is about 30 minutes from Claremont, and they were dubbed the Huntington Prowler. So there were reports of women's intimates being stolen from clotheslines, as well as a peeping Tom and someone trying to break into houses. 
So residents claim to have seen a figure wearing 90s, women's 90s, dressing gowns, and on one occasion, a pair of women's underpants over his head. So, he, you know, it's kind of like Golden State Killer, where he's just like... He steals it, and then he puts it on in some way? Yeah. And it seems like he wants people to see him in it, almost. Um, Oh, like that when he leaves, he runs out, and that's what he's got on his head? Yeah. Or wherever? Yeah. Wow. Something like that. And so then in February of 1988... An unidentified man um, breaks into the home, into a home, and attempts to sexually assault a sleeping 18-year-old girl, but she's able to fight him off, and that attacker uh, runs off and leaves behind. He had ha- he had been wearing a silk kimono that seems like he had taken off a clothesline, and that's left behind, and that has a semen stain on it. So, in that evidence box, they find that. Um, it sits in the evidence box for 28 years. Wow. Until finally they're able to test the DNA on it and it matches the other unknown male DNA from all those cases. But still, they don't know who the Huntingdale Prowler was. So they still just have a connection with all the cases, but no identity of a killer. But man, so insane. This this net is widening of of what this guy has been doing and where he's been doing it. And it's got to feel like you're so close. You're so close. You find one more case that matches and you're like, well, we got to find it this, you know, and it's still it's got to be so frustrating. Yeah. So what finally ties it all together or finally leads to what ties it all together isn't DNA, but fingerprints. So. During a separate Huntington Prowler break-in, the attacker had left behind his fingerprints and palm print on a sliding door, and those prints are finally run through the system when they're looking through old evidence boxes, and a match is found. So, uh, it's found to this case where there is a, a known attacker. So, it's in a, rec- uh, in a recent interview with 60 Minutes... A woman named Wendy Davis, she's now in her 70s, she was a mother of three and a social worker in 1990, and she, oh my God, it's just such a heart-wrenching, moving interview. This woman is incredible. She was a social worker working at her desk at, at Hollywood Hospital about 30 minutes from Huntingtondale um, in 1990 when a man comes into her office and asks if he can use the restroom that's right by her desk. And she glances at the man and like waves him in to use the bathroom, like go ahead, not thinking much of it since the man is wearing a uniform of the telecommunications company that's working on the hospital's phone lines that week. So she allows him to use the bathroom without much thought, but pretty quickly he comes out, grabs her from behind, puts a rag over her mouth and fucking yanks her out of her chair and starts pulling her into the bathroom. And she's like, I don't want to die. Like I freaks out. I don't want to die. She starts fucking fighting back. I mean, she tells this whole story in the 60 minutes. I think it's an Australian one. So you have to find it online, but she starts kicking and fighting. She's able to turn herself around and starts fucking wailing on his shins with her fucking high heels. And so he stops and she says, just as suddenly as the attack started, it stops. And she says, the man seems to come out of a trance almost and starts to apologize And he's held down until police arrive. And on him, they find cable ties in his pocket. And the man is a 21-year-old Telstra employee named Bradley Robert Edwards. And somehow, he is only charged with common assault, it's called. Mm. So, And they say in the 60 Minutes that 
you can get a charge of common assault by like yelling a curse word across the street at someone. It's just, Oh, it's there's they don't acknowledge the sexual motivation of the attack. You know, they it's not attempted rape or attempted kidnapping or, you know, her free will being attacked. It's none of that. He only gets two years probation. He doesn't even get fired from his fucking job at Telstra. Right. Um, Oh, Jesus. Despite attacking a woman on the job, he does on the job, on the job. Instead, a supervisor goes to speak with the victim and tries to assure her that Edwards is a good kid who's just under a ton of stress. Ew, no. So, yeah. So, okay. Finally, though, this leads to the killer. In December 2016, the prints from the Huntingdale Prowler incident are tested and they match the prints to the Hollywood Hospital case belonging to Bradley Robert Edwards. So they finally have a suspect, but they still need his DNA to match the DNA of the unknown killer. So, all right, who's this, who is this asshole? Well, it turns out that he's still working for Telstra. He had enjoyed a good career, pay raises, you know, all this shit, moved up in ranks with the company. He's 46 years old. He's tall and like a large, well-built man with dark hair. He looks like a normal dad, this fucking piece of shit. He's got like cropped hair, clean cut, polo shirts. You wouldn't think twice. Um, Yeah, he's because he's in... He's uh, hiding right. in plain sight. He's a totally unassuming. He, they don't look like monsters. Do the not. monsters don't look like monsters. He's an unassuming dude. He had been married twice. He has a stepdaughter, although he and his second wife were having issues. Um, and on the weekends for years, he had worked for like athletic clubs. The Belmont Little Athletics Clubs were like, you know, like for us to be AYSO, I think, we're just like kids playing mm-hmm. sports. Um, sure. He had been on the committee as a records officer. And by 2007, he had become the club's president. Um, so he's not, he's not some creep in the shadows. He's fucking out there living a stand up life. John Wayne Gacy style. Exactly. Um, and he becomes the club's president. There's even pictures of him in the newspaper receiving an award and stuff. Wow. Uh Uh-huh. And it's more of the usual unassuming. Everyone couldn't believe it. He helped his neighbors with compute, like, you know, the usual. The usual. We got an email from, um, a listener who, wrote in about him and then um so she was like she was friends with the family and so as a kid she says quote he was always really nice and charming and the things that sticks out to me the most is he was also one of the most sympathetic people i've ever met in my life so he used he used to drive this little girl and another little girl home every day and um She said, because of my religious background, I'm not supposed to eat beef, but I love it. So when he used to pick me up, he used to get me McDonald's cheeseburgers. It's so spine chilling to me that a serial killer bought me food and I ate it when I was alone in the car with him. Mm -hmm. And that's from Swagata. Um, Wow. I know, right? Like, yeah, she like got driven around by a serial killer. That's nice and charming. Yeah. Sympathetic. Yes. Yeah. So a surveillance operation begins, and with days, detectives grab a Sprite bottle that Edwards had thrown away at a movie theater where he watched a movie with his stepdaughter. And when the bottle's tested, 
It's a match. And so finally, after 20 years, with all the evidence being tied together because the DNA found under Ciara Glennon's fingernails because she fucking fought back, it's all yep. tied together. And this, the Claremont serial killer is finally caught. Wow. Um, but you know, you think about this, the common assault charge doesn't get fired from his job. It's maybe. If if things had been different, some of these cases wouldn't even have happened. You know, if he had been treated like the sexual yeah, if someone predator. didn't go in and fight for his yeah. fucking right, his right to assault women, and because he was stressed out, yeah. that should just be ignored. Yeah. Hey, guess what? Sorry, because I'm sure that person heartily regrets even even being involved in that but that was a massive that was a mistake built on misogyny totally. that was a mistake built on um nothing can happen to the boys and the girls just complain a lot and that's fucking bullshit and yeah. crazy yeah that person should be i mean i can't imagine living with myself after that and then uh, no that's terrible i'm sure they i mean and it's so feel- sad because in this interview this woman feels all the guilt you know right the woman who was attacked is like i should have done more which Play, like they they didn't even take you seriously you couldn't have done more you were the victim you well, weren't supposed to be fighting for your and also no exactly she it wasn't her job to fight for that or solve the case or do it correctly it wasn't yeah. her job but on top of that the fact that that happened to her and that she did survive and fought so hard is the reason they ultimately were able to find that guy and solve that case That's so right. she did more than she she did everything yeah. she's foundational that's right she's the fucking hero in her story yeah big time yeah um so when his home is raided, police discover allegedly all kinds of like twisted stuff, kind of like the BTK of like homemade sex toys and women's underwear with holes cut out, violent erotica stories that are like about um, the abduction and women and porn depicting rape and torture, just really sadistic, you know, stuff that this mild mannered person wouldn't, we wouldn't think they have it in their, in their house. And when he's brought in for questioning, uh, again, mild-mannered, he's calm, he acts surprised and confused about being brought brought in, and um, speaks openly with the investigators for 12 hours, and he politely tells them repeatedly that he has no knowledge of the killings, and says he is, quote, 120% positive that he had no involvement (laughs) in the murders, or (laughs) or the sexual assaults. I don't think, okay, hi, red flag. Yeah. The phrasing of that, Uh I'm 120% positive I'm not involved. Yeah. Because there's a world where you could maybe not be sure. Yeah. Like you you either know you are or you're not involved at all. Right. There's no... The assuredness that I'm really sure I didn't do anything is basically giving away that you don't know that your brain is a mystery to you and you don't know what... Right. Like what you're doing. Right. Because an innocent person would say, I didn't do that. That I am not the person who did that. I promise I didn't do it. I'm not sure. Positive. I didn't do it. it I don't know. Yeah. I'm positive. I'm not involved. Right. Oh, OK. Yeah. As opposed to what you're secretly keeping in your head of right. that you are absolutely involved. It's I, like giving the the ant giving the opposite answer to the secret in your head yeah. gives it away. Yeah. But finally, his DNA is tested. Positive I'm not involved. Yeah. Okay, sorry, sorry. Try that some, your next time you're lying, everyone. 
Finally, his DNA is tested and he's arrested for the murders of 27-year-old Ciara Glennon, 23-year-old Jane Rimmer, and 18-year-old Sarah Spears, as well as the 1988 Huntington Dale sexual assault of the 18-year-old woman. And by the way, he, he lived in Huntington Dale uh, as a teenager when these prowling incidents were happening. So oh, that's really? the connection there. And two counts of aggravated sexual penetration without consent of the 17-year-old girl um, in Claremont's in the Claremont Cemetery in 1995, all of which he pleads innocent for. Okay, so he's brought to trial three years later on November 25th, 2019. The night before the trial begins, he admits and pleads guilty to both the sexual assault cases, but not the murders. He pleads innocent to the murders. He's like, okay, I lied about not being involved in the sexual assault cases. And um, essentially, the defense comes down to the argument that the DNA was contaminated, which I think I, I think is why he must have pled guilty to the two assaults. So he could explain yeah. his DNA being in the lab, and then saying, well, you must have used that DNA and got it, you know, mixed up and contaminated with the DNA of the murders, which is fucking smart. It's because I'm because I'm just a rapist. I'm just a rapist, not a murderer. Right? Yes, my you. If you can't explain why your DNA is at any scene, then it shouldn't be in the room at all. But if your DNA is supposed to be in the room because you are involved, you motherfucker. Um, that is a cynical, uh, uh, mercenary approach. That sounds like uh, it was. It was. That a bunch of people worked on that idea and sure came does. up with that strategy. It yeah. sure does, doesn't it? Dirty. Yes. Well, also just because the um, you're admitting to something that actually is it's it's lending itself much more to the character argument that you are a bad fucking person, right. and a, a sociopath anyway, or whatever psychopath. The idea that you're just like it's just those, it's not this. Yeah. Is, so maybe is, I'll get away with the other ones. It's an angle, but I think it it actually reveals much more about that person totally. in it because Jesus fucking Christ and yeah and it wasn't well thought out and yeah and it's like uh it's what was I gonna say oh also the M O fits all of them you know in some way or another so um and also the fact that this you know the the seventeen year old got got a grabbed off the street and pulled in tied up and pulled into the van makes them makes everyone wonder if that's actually they didn't get into a taxi or an unmarked car maybe one maybe one of them or all of them were attacked on the street and you know kidnapped so yeah and that if he was such a great guy a sympathetic guy a lovely friendly Uh guy that it would be very easy if he's wearing a uniform of this kind of well known that's the yes. thing. Yes, he used he used the company car. He wore his uniform. Other women said that they had seen him in the area and maybe he tried to pick them up at the time. They testified to that. And he's like at work. He's work. Oh, I'm just going yep. to this call for this phone line. Want me to take you to that area? Yeah, I can take you. Yeah. He's I'm just this business guy. I practically work for the city. I'm just like yeah. this. I'm it's like the Culligan man or so. It's like, yeah, it, the Arrowhead Spring delivery guy where you're like, yes, this is the most trustworthy person because yeah. he's around. He is, you know, we were saying like it's so sinister when it's in a group of people. He is, makes up a background player in a group of people. Totally. That's the the guy the phone line guy totally i mean and also the idea that he worked for that company those knives were found at the scenes Mm -hmm. of the of some bodies you don't the other stuff 
I mean, you're in it, friend. Here's well, some of the some of the oh, all this. So essentially, the, the defense comes down to the argument that the DNA was contaminated, which is you know, um, and that which is the the defense is able to show other instances of contamination in in the case, including several times when the DNA of scientists working on the case was found on samples. So, you know, yeah. they do have a chance with that plea or that um yep. argument you what, covered that one it wasn't that um yes, san diego san diego right yeah but no but in yeah. this actual lab where this dna was tested, oh yeah oh so that's they weren't just saying it happened in general no wow and okay. when i read that i i remember reading it in like uh like march being like oh fuck like this better not get him off um and uh on sample in one instance where the dna of a victim of a totally unrelated crime had been contaminated with a sample of the claremont killer uh, but it was all debunked on cross-examination so i don't even know if it's true and then the fiber evidence also forms a significant part of the prosecution's case. Remember those blue polyester fibers found on um, Rimmer, Miss Rimmer and Sklenin's bodies? Well, they match the Telstra work pants that Edwards would have worn in the mid-90s, which were manufactured specifically for the company using a bespoke color known as Telstra mm. Navy. So it all fucking ties oh. back to Telstra. Um, and you're like, that's crazy. They they should have. Uh, oh, and there was also fibers that matched the 1996 Holden Commodore that he had driven at the time. Um, and you're like, why didn't why didn't they look more into Telstra employees? Why didn't they look at their back, do background checks on all of them, blah, blah, blah. So investigators had asked for the names of Telstra workers who would have driven those cars since there had been sightings of those cars. Somehow his fucking name was left off of the list. Quote, clerical error or some shit twice so if they had seen his name i wonder if he they would have seen that he had a prior well they would have seen he had a common assault charge not a sexually motivated charge but maybe he had some charge they would have looked yeah they would have seen and maybe been able to go and talk to the victim and see what the real deal was but also maybe he made it uh, cause clearly right. he got away with it for a long time. So maybe he did something and he had access. Absolutely. When they were putting those lists together, yeah. he had access and the ability to delete his own name off the list. Or he, maybe he went, I mean, clearly his fucking supervisors are sympathetic. Maybe he went to them and say, Hey, I have this charge. It was for nothing uh, years ago. I don't need them looking into me. Can you just take my name off the list? Obviously it's not me. And maybe they did it. Who the fuck knows? Maybe. Maybe. I mean, because it is the thing about these people that are they're barely people because they're entirely dedicated to creating a mask Mm -hmm. that you fall for Mm -hmm. and feel safe with. And yeah, they just manipulate everyone all the time. It's crazy. So that they don't get caught. That's the whole point of their life. And also Telstra had no record of uh, the actual assault in their files that that had even happened. So we're going to go ahead and need a report from Telstra. We're going to have to do an internal investigation. I want um, I want Wendy Davis to now own the company Telstra and all the money. She gets all of it for not being fucking believed and for not being fucking treated the way she should have been treated. Sorry, Wendy owns nice. Telstra now, and she can sell it for Wouldn't millions of dollars. Yeah, or just give her some old school stock. Yeah. So the trial, which is decided, so there's no jury. It's just going to be a judge uh, 
instead of a jury because of the massive public, like pub, everyone knows everything about it. And also there's these really gruesome details that they just don't think a jury should see. Um, so it's going to be decided upon by a judge. So it's 85 days in the courtroom and there's testimony from more than 200 witnesses, 60,000 pages of DNA and fiber evidence and 110 gigabytes of data, which in today's wow. Gigabytes. I don't know what it is. Um, and it's a billion. It started, it started last, it started last November. So they did it through COVID too. Like the whole time. They're just plowing through. Yeah. Wow. Which is incredible. Um, and finally on Thursday, September 24th, just what, two, three weeks ago, um, Justice Stephen Hall delivers his verdict. So Bradley John Edwards, he's now 51, was found guilty of the murders of Jane Rimmer in 1996 and Ciara Glennon in 1997. But unfortunately, he says that though Edwards is likely the killer of Sarah Spears, he felt he couldn't rule uh, it beyond a reasonable doubt because her body had never been found. So there's no DNA evidence, Mm -hmm. even though the Mm -hmm. MO is identical. Um, So he acquits Edwards on that count, which is so disappointing i don't think he's doing his job obviously he wanted them to him to be found guilty as well but it's just almost like he's being rewarded for hiding her body so well well i mean that's yeah that's just how it is but it's that thing of like especially in a situation where if dna is questionable in the first place that guy has to be so meticulous about the rule of law right and what exactly is required to get a, a you know exactly. like a guilty verdict so i almost can't wonder, fuck around yeah i wonder if, if almost if there'd be another trial just with sarah spears case Based on the MO of the other cases that, you know, if, if it wasn't tried together, that would somehow, you know, because people, I mean, they just would need more. I would think they would need more evidence right. to tip it over because the, the evidence as such that he's saying isn't going to do the job. That's true. That's too bad. So sentencing will take place on December 23rd. And so finally, after 24 years, Australia's longest running and most expensive criminal investigation, when that scarred the city of Perth, finally came to a close. Um, there are people who think that there are more victims of Bradley John Edwards that are not yet known, which mm-hmm. isn't surprising. In the same way, Golden State Killer just stopped, you know, what he was doing or, you know, are there, are there cases from before the known ones? Um, after the verdict, Ciara Glennon's father, Dennis, said that he had made a graveside promise to his daughter to pursue justice for her or die trying. He said, quote, that promise, that commitment to Ciara has driven me unwaveringly and unapologetically. Um, the family of Jane Rimmer released a statement saying they were pleased to finally have, quote, some answers about the abduction and horrendous murder of our beloved Jane Jane had her whole life ahead of her, and it's almost beyond comprehension that this could have ended in such horrific, heinous circumstances. Our family can now take some comfort today, uh, and the healing process can begin. Uh, Both families agree, however, that the ordeal won't be over until the Spears family has some closure. Jane's sister, Lee, said... um, Quote, we got the result we wanted, and now we just have to keep working for the Spears family and hope someone finds Sarah. And that is the story of the Claremont serial killer. God, wow. It's, uh, I think I listened to, um, who is the Australian guy that hosts his show and doesn't, no one knows who he is? 
Oh, yeah. Um, case file. Case file. Yes, for sure. I listened to the, I listened to the case file about this. I think anyone that listened to our podcast, we've talked about case file before, yeah. but if you haven't heard it, um, it's great. He does an amazing job on that show and especially Australian based, um, crimes. Like you, totally. he's so, such a good researcher. Um, but yeah, it, it is such a, like, epic, uh, case there. Yeah. The idea that they just closed the book in for those two murders, at least. Yeah. It's kind of amazing. I mean, that's, I think great. so many people just never thought it'd be solved, you know? And right. when you think of it in terms of it being Perth being pretty small and isolated and just knowing that there's a killer among you that you have no idea when they're going to strike again, it's never going to be, it would never be safe for a woman to fucking walk home again. It's just, it's horrible. Also, it makes me think of, you know, like what, <clears throat> excuse me, what Billy and Paul are doing on Murder Squad, because it doesn't it always come down every time we tell these stories where it's cold case and then something comes up because they have this, yeah. they have fresh blood in the, it, you know, yes. they have people, new detectives, people that are, they're, they're dedicating cold case teams to this and people are going into the evidence room and pulling out those old boxes and looking through them. Definitely. I mean, that's just like doing it the, the old fashioned way. It's always really heartening yes. to hear those stories of people who are like, we want these solved and we want these families to yeah. to get justice in some way. And not only is the technology changing so they can do DNA testing the way they never could, but our 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 thought our like ideas of what a victim is and what a perpetrator is and who could do these crimes and how and why they happen is changing and becoming yes. hopefully less fucking misogynistic so that people can well, look also at just a, a little bit more fact-based because how many stories have we told where it is always these people who everyone says they're great they lent me things from their garage mm -hmm. like the way we the way we decide people are good people in this world they don't make problems for me a lot of smiling calm small talk and conversation and then yeah. you know hopefully you don't ever catch them on that weird day where they decide to kick a cat or something right or like, you accidentally it's just this bump their car and see the rage suddenly in their face or whatever it's just such superficial like yeah. i i hope that if nothing else all of the true crime trend it just will hit people to the idea that you have to we've talked about this before save that trust for the third date like you if it's your neighbor and he lends you the lawnmower doesn't mean he's a good person mm -hmm. like you need to see people out in their day-to-day -day and i mean but again like we said with some of these like true psychopaths, mm -hmm. you would never be a, you would never think in a million years because that's they dedicate their lives to being the kind of people you would never suspect. Wow. Great job. Thank that was you. really good. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I like the idea that that's uh, that's one we can we can look at as being solved now. It's yeah. amazing. Thank God. Yeah. All right. It's fucking hooray time. All right. And, and not a moment too soon. Amen. Um, let's see. This one's from Haley and it says. 
This fucking hooray is for slash about my fellow murderino, former roommate and best friend, Kendall. We just graduated college, which is a fucking hooray in and of itself during 2020. And then this bitch started, this is in all caps. And then this bitch started law school at fucking Harvard Law. She is one of the smartest, hardest working people I know. And she truly cares about this world and politics and fighting for the those without a voice. She's exactly the type of lawyer that we all know this world needs more of. And there's no one more deserving. She also did this while being a wonderful friend and daughter while her while both of her parents are kicking cancer's ass. <sighs> I love her and I'm so fucking proud of her. And I can't wait to watch her become a real life Elle Woods fighting for people that need a voice the most. SSDGM Haley. Mm. Hell yeah. I love that someone Way else to glow is, your friend up. I know. I love that someone else is fucking hooray as their friend. That's so beautiful. She's uh, very proud of her friend who went to Harvard fucking law. Amazing. That's badass. Yeah. Okay. This That's is so awesome. From Instagram from live underscore Desiree. Okay. My fucking hooray this week are my mom and murderino friends who helped me SSDGM. Two of these badass ladies who know my morning walk routine immediately checked in on me when there was a report of two active shooters in our area. Within Ugh. minutes, I had four different friends who checked in every few minutes until I was home safe. Women looking after women. It's such a beautiful thing. If it hadn't been for them, I probably would have walked right through the wrong neighborhood on my way home or taken my usual trail through the woods where the perpetrators were evading police. Oh, I'm so so grateful and so lucky to have the friends that I do. Huge thank you to them for making sure my son and I got home safe. Wow. Beautiful. This friend's theme. Yeah. Here comes the little monkey. Huh? Let's see. This says, fucking hooray. I saved a life. I'm a 911 dispatcher for a living, so I deal with people's worst ev- worst day every day. Oh, wow. And I'm proud of it that put. way. Holy shit. Uh, uh. The other day, I took a call from a teenager that her aunt wasn't responding. I got the ambulance en route and, she, and we started CPR. The paramedics got on scene and she became alert and talked with them. And then all caps, she walked herself to the <gasps> ambulance. Not the first life save I've had before, but it's always a great feeling because most things don't end that well in my line of work. Mm. Stephanie. Amazing. Amazing. Keep it up. Yeah. Um, this one is called I FaceTime my 95 year old great grandma for the first time. This is from the fan cult <laughs> forum and it's sent by Louis Bon Dewey. <laughs> Uh, what's up Louie okay my 95 year old great grandma Dolores is one of my most favorite people on earth she's a G damn angel she lives two hours up north and though I have tried to see her at uh, her nursing facility I've been denied three times even for a window visit she has pretty severe Alzheimer's so she doesn't really know who I am anymore but I tried to visit her as often as I could when the world allowed But last night I found out she's in the hospital and tested positive for COVID. Mm. Not the best news, but my boyfriend called the hospital and explained that he is a coroner and I work in a funeral home and that our city has seen more cases than the whole country she lives in. He then was directed to the hospital coordinator who informed him that I am able to FaceTime her on the hospital's iPad and I got to see her. The nurse told her, quote, Lindsay's on the phone and she perked up. Her eyes got big and she seemed to know who I was through tears and some giggles. I finally got to see her one more time. I told her I love her. And the nurse said she gripped the iPad tighter and pulled it closer. 
I wish I was there so she could squeeze my hand when I told her I love her like she used to. But I knew her grumbles and snickers meant that she loved me too. Stay sexy and tell the people you love that you love them any chance you get. Lindsay. Ugh. Well. Yeah. Heavy. That's heavy nice. Times. I mean, it's heavy times. Everything's getting real fucking real. And there's people dealing with shit like this, you know, trying to get a hold of their relatives who are dying alone in a hospital. Like, aside from aside from the fact that there's no plan, aside from the fact there's no contact tracing, aside from all these other things that are an absolute just collapse of leadership, that idea that there's just no no one's taken the time to to make this a more workable livable mm-hmm. thing is just mm-hmm. we're going to be dealing with it for a long time we are we totally are yep um, um but we can say but we can say when things are great because there's little things that are and we just keep doing it that's right look that's for your the point look for the fucking hoorays in your life and tell them to us on instagram and twitter and a fan cult Please. Yeah. We need it. We We all need it. We really need it. (laughs) I have hummingbirds that uh, there's hummingbirds in my tree and there's hummingbirds in the neighbor's tree. And now there's a hummingbird highway between the two (gasps) that's right outside my window. And uh, that's my fucking hooray. I mean, that's my fucking hooray because also it reflects of how much time I spend staring at windows (laughs) and sitting at this desk being like, what the fuck? But then it's like, yeah, I gotta, gotta, you know, keep your eye peeled for hummingbirds traveling at high speeds. My fucking hooray is uh, I haven't had a drink in three nights. Tonight will be four nights. And I'm just trying to take a little time off and I and it's been great I had this realization that like oh you know all the anxiety and negativity and self-hatred and self-talk you do when you're drunk it actually will stop if you don't drink it's not like it'll get better (laughs) it's not like it's not like it'll lower it a little bit like that whole thing will stop there's a way to actually stop it it like hit me yeah I was like oh a hundred I don't have to have a hangover ever again if I just completely stop fuck right I know baby steps i'm learning that's right well you know what it is you have to feel the reality of it because you can't conceptualize your way into doing that you just have to go this feels better i'm going to do it until it doesn't feel better and then i'm going to deal with it when it's something else before the moment and for right now you can go i want to do the thing that feels the best to me because especially all things considered yeah let's let's actually aim at good feeling as opposed to habits that we think bring relief right i'm sick and tired of being sick and tired so i'm trying something else right amen nice um thanks for listening (laughs) for two hours to us you guys (laughs) in this crazy world we appreciate that you stop by and say hello to your aunts your crazy aunts yeah that's right um oh we love when you come to visit honey how's the hard candy I have the Christmas cookies you like from last Christmas. So let me pull out this tin. Oh, grandma energy. Yay. Honey. Big grandma energy. Honey, I'll fix you a plate. That's what grandmas do. <laughs> keep that grandma energy this week. If you can't do anything else, yeah. then at least just have a, keep a little of your grandma, of someone else's grandma you liked, a cartoon yeah. grandma, whatever you need. But that's the energy. Approach everyone with grandma energy this week. Yes. I'll yes. fix you a plate. Of course, you can come over. Mm-hmm. Grandma's feed everybody. Fix your heart. Let a me plate. fix you a plate. Do it. 
Yeah. Aww. Feed others. Yeah. Uh, and oh, and also stay sexy. And don't get murdered. Goodbye. Goodbye. Elvis, do you want a cookie?